Hi, friends. Welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City moms by Kansas City moms. We know that your time is precious, and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective community. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Kansas City MomCast. We are so excited you're here today, and we are going to be getting very personal today. We are going to be interviewing Cassie DeWitt, who is a Lee Summit mom and a pelvic floor OT. She is fantastic and is full of a plethora of information when it comes to um, pelvic floor health, answering all of our questions. And we will be linking to lots of great resource guides. Um, Sarah and I both learned a lot, and we hope you do too. So thanks again for being here, and let's get started. Hi, Cassie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? We are just fantastic. Good. Thank you so much for being here today. We are so, so, so excited to talk about this topic. And I was just mentioning to you that I was talking to one of our listeners who had commented and said, you know, you guys need to do one about pelvic floor. And I was very excited to tell her that that is coming down the pike. So here we are. Yes, I'm so excited for the opportunity. Yes. Um, Okay, so can we start off? Can you just tell us um, what is the pelvic floor? Absolutely. So the pelvic floor is going to be a hammock of muscle tissue um, down in the pelvis. So it looks like a hammock that holds up all your vital organs. So like your rectum, your bladder, your uterus. It is the muscle group that um, allows men to have erections, to voids urine, um, voids bowel, helps with sexual um, intercourse, helps to pump blood through that area for orgasm, and just good healthy tissue and lymphatic fluid. It also helps protect or stabilize our hips, our spine, helps us carry babies. It's just an incredible area if you... I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that um, is three layers deep. So there's actually no bony structures that are holding any of those organs up inside of us. It's just all muscle tissue. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I always, I remember the first time I learned about pelvic floor, I was, and this is probably common sense to most, most of our listeners. I just didn't realize it was all so interconnected. Yes. Um, And it makes sense once you, you know, once we start talking about, you know, the issues that a lot of us as women have, it makes sense that it's all connected. Absolutely. The first like layer of the muscle tissue are those itty bitty muscles and those, their function is really for sexual function. All of them work together holistically, but that first layer is sexual function. So a lot of times when women have pain after babies or pain with intercourse, even before babies, that's where that, that's where that pain originates. But that does not mean that it can't go deeper. So sex or um, the second layer is that sphincteric layer. So that's going to open and close those sphincters to help us 
only void urine and bowel when we want to, right? Mm -hmm. And then that third layer is that support stabilization layer, and they all work together for that lymphatic and blood flow. Um, So it's just, but when those muscles aren't coordinated and don't have good range of motion or don't have good strength or they're injured from childbirth or from poor body mechanics, it's going to call on those other muscles like your glutes, your lower back, your hip flexor muscles, and those muscles are now doing things that they necessarily don't really want to do. So that can cause pain and irritation in other areas of the body. Interesting. Yeah. So Cassie, just thinking about, I'm sure, at least for me, this wasn't a topic I thought about until pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, can you talk about what happens to the pelvic floor when women are pregnant and then maybe what they can do to you know, prevent or prepare, um, their pelvic floor for childbirth? Absolutely. So when you think about childbirth and pregnancy, if you've ever been through it, you know, it's like an Olympic athletic event, right? (laughs) And it's one that you're not really training for. Mm -hmm. Nobody tells you that it's going to be this huge event. Um, you're so excited. And then after, during it, you're like, whoa, this is a little bit more challenging than I expected. Even my mamas who have the most quotations here easy pregnancy because I don't Mm -hmm. know if any of them are really still are going through so much so one of the things I tell my mom is one is let's start with pregnancy nutrition is huge feed your body good healthy whole food nutrition hydrate yourself very well as much as you can you know we get in that first trimester and we just think, eat, 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 eat um, to settle mm-hmm. our tummies. Mm-hmm. And if we're choosing good whole food nutrition, that's okay. It's whenever we're eating. I mean, for me, my first pregnancy, I ate Taco Bell twice, mm-hmm. <laughs> twice a day. You know, that's not the kind of food that is really nourishing my body to help it with this athletic event. What about golden so, grams? How do you feel yeah, about golden that grams? too? That's going <laughs> to cause some Dr. issues. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That was my last baby. I was like, can I have another Dr. Pepper today? That was me too with my, with my second. Are you, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so we have crazy hormones going on too, where it's, it's almost difficult to make really good food choices, even yeah. when you're a healthy eater prior. The other thing is hydration. And at the beginning of your pregnancy, everybody thinks, oh, at the end, your bladder is, is, um, Squish, but in the beginning of your pregnancy, it is squished too. So, baby hasn't really moved up into your abdomen yet. So, you have something on your bladder that it's not used to. Your bladder is like a bossy three year old, it doesn't want to be touched very often, it doesn't like a lot of pressure on it, it just wants to be hugged on when it wants to. Mm -hmm. So, we have to make sure that we're still hydrating ourselves nicely, even when our bladder is throwing fits. The other thing you can do is move your body, walking, making sh- remember athletic event. So in an athletic event, you don't not you don't not exercise. You keep moving your body as much as you can. And for everybody that's very different. I have CrossFit mamas, I have mamas that walk 3 miles a day. Mm. I have mamas who have been fearful because of their <laughs> Their moms, when they were told they shouldn't exercise during pregnancy, that was a thing, you know, years ago, that they're terrified to move. And I'm like, no, move your body for the blood flow, for your mental health, for 
this athletic event that's coming. And then um, you can do some perineal stretching. And what that means is just really working the tissue probably around end of second trimester, beginning of third trimester, really moving that tissue around at the vaginal opening. And when I tell people this, I wish I could record their face. They're like, I'm not doing that. Um, But those are things you absolutely can do. Moisturizing the vaginal tissue is really good for it too. Remember the hormones are insane. So it's going to mess with all the lubrications um, along with hip opener stretches, really movement, nutrition, hydration is huge. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah, that's super, super helpful. Okay. So. And a little Taco Bell. And a little Taco Bell with a side of Dr. Pepper. Absolutely. (laughs) Balance. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So what happens to the pelvic floor during and after childbirth? So during childbirth, the pelvic, well, during pregnancy, everything, we have this hormone that's relaxing everything to make room for baby to come out vaginal opening, right? So, um, and this is, this is just purely we're talking about with no um, comorbidities or, or you're just having a very healthy pregnancy. So everything is, is spreading apart a little bit to make room for baby muscle tissues being stretched, which can also make it tighten up and try to like hold everything in. It's trying to do its job. And then during childbirth, we are pushing, here's the athletic event people, we are pushing a baby, a human out through those muscles. So if those muscles are coordinated and have great range of motion, when I talk to my patients about their pelvic floor. It's hard because you can't see it. And a lot of times we can't sense it. So we don't have a ton of feeling unless we're very aware of those muscles. By the time you get to me, people are like, I didn't even know I had a pelvic floor and I didn't even know this existed. I was just told to come here. So I go through explaining the bite, like think about your bicep. If your bicep is contracted, we need to work on that range of motion and coordination to eventually make that bicep stronger. Same thing with pelvic floor. So we work on elongating those muscles through diaphragmatic breathing, really working on range of motion and coordination, and then we work on strength. So when you go and have this athletic event, baby comes out and muscles can heal themselves a little. You know, I don't know the exact statistics on this, a good range of motion pelvic floor and a not good range of motion pelvic floor. But I would think that the healthier that tissue is, the sooner it's going to heal. So after childbirth, if you think about a woman who say they're not really doing it, some physicians still are doing episiotomies. Mm -hmm. If it were up to me, nobody would be doing an episiotomy Mm -hmm. unless absolutely necessary episiotomy, meaning they are cutting the tissue themselves. People think, oh, that's so much better than tearing. But actually, it's not in terms of level of degree of tearing. So you are more likely to tear less if you naturally tear. Hmm. So um, that's where that perineal stretching comes in. So my mamas were like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, well... Then you could possibly have this. Which one do you want to do? 
bite yeah. the bullet and touch yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so then um, with once baby is here, we go right into, I mean, right after I have C-sections. So whether you have a C-section or a vaginal birth, when they're wheeling me back to my room, I am starting with my diaphragmatic breathing, working on my range of motion. I can't feel anything below my waist, but I have trained myself to do that. So I bring blood flow, lymphatic fluid through there, and sensation building and repairing those nerves. That's fascinating. So this, Cassie, might this is a random question, but does it matter? You mentioned C-sections. Mm-hmm. But does it matter as far as the birth process, like if you have, you know, pain medication and you, you know, you do have an epidural and you can't feel or mm-hmm. you do it without pain medication mm-hmm. and then you can feel right away. Does it matter to your good pelvic floor? Uh, that's a fantastic question. So in terms of healing, I have seen a much faster healing process with women who do not have the medication. Now, women, I would have medication too. I have, I mean, obviously I have to for C-section, but Mm -hmm. that's not saying that you're not going to heal, but when you can feel it, sense it, know when to push, how to push, the healing process seems to be, um, more advantageous. Mm -hmm. I had, I've had both and it was a much, I felt like myself and my bodily mm-hmm. functions returned much, much faster. With unmedicated. Yes. With unmedicated. Did unmedicated. you choose unmedicated? Sort of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just got to ask. I chose it and then had to <laughs> try to give it up. And they said, nope, nope, sorry. <laughs> you were going all natural. All natural. That's exactly. scary, right? Uh-huh. That, that's scary once you decide, okay, I want pain medicine. And um, I have seen probably 300 babies be born. And it's funny, people get to a 10 and they're like, okay, I'm ready for that pain medicine. And years mm-hmm. ago when I was in labor and delivery, I did not, you know, they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Now, if babies help, you know, heartbeat's fine, your heartbeat's fine, it won't be because you're in so much pain, but they'll do an epidural or something, pain medication at 10 centimeters now. Oh, yeah. I had one like a nine with my yep. first mm-hmm. because they needed my body to calm down. Yep. And then, but my third was just kind of like, well, sister, you're just going to have to <laughs> here she comes. buck up and do it. Do it. And, and she's, do it she's and here. So I obviously so survived. You, you did it. So <laughs> I see, um, you know, I think when it comes to like weight, everything back up after medication I have so many women say oh my gosh I'm still like peeing my pants and it's Mm. been three weeks because a little urine leakage after delivery is very common um and I wouldn't even say on the normal side of healing because you're waking everything back up blood's coming back you have to think, if you tear your rotator cuff, like a little nick in your rotator cuff, you have therapy for 12 weeks before and after surgery. You rip in, like, to a second degree or third degree or first degree even. You you get nothing. Yeah. So, and that controls so much. And then on top of that, they're like, oh, yeah, here's this baby. Take care of it. Make sure it's safe. Get some sleep when you can. You know, all these things. Mm-hmm. So women, there is there is a definite 
disconnect with postpartum, definite disconnect with postpartum care. Um, in this country, other countries Mm -hmm. do have the pelvic floor rehab automatically afterwards. But, um, yeah, I think healing medicated versus unmedicated little bit quicker unmedicated. Okay. And so don't think I'd do it. (laughs) (laughs) Guess I'll never know what unmedicated was like. Yes. Um, so Cassie, what about, um, multiple kids? Is there a number of pregnancies where you're like, well, just you're out of luck. You're out of luck. (laughs) You're going to be peeing your pants for the rest of your life. Buy some Depends, girl. (laughs) I love this question. So I had a woman come in to me who had 23 children. No, she did not. (laughs) Yes, she did. She said to twins in one year and then she, she was with her daughter who was in her thirties. So she was in her, she was mid eighties and she was like, I'm just so tired of peeing my pants. And honestly, you know, in school and in all the continuing education I've done for pelvic floor, I was terrified. I was like, Oh my God, they don't prepare you for the woman who's had 23 children. And so Mm. she didn't, not only did she have urine leakage, she had urgency, which mm-hmm. means I have to go to the bathroom right now mm-hmm. or else I'm going to pee my pants. And most mm-hmm. of the time you still pee your pants. Mm-hmm. And then she had frequency where she was in the bathroom every 30 minutes. Well, as you age, the bladder kind of um, gets smaller or holds less fluids. Every 30 minutes, that is time consuming throughout your day, right? So quality of life is significantly affected and she was changing her pads probably seven eight times Mm. a day getting up several times during the night so sleep's affected when Mm -hmm. she left me after eight months of therapy um which is one of the longest i've seen she was down to one pad a day and only really leaking when she sneezed and i took i mean yeah it was fantastic so no matter what age you are, you can work on your habits. You can work on the bladder health portion, absolutely. And then you can also work on the strengthening. We didn't even start strengthening until like month four with her just because there was such a lack of sensation down there where we had to really find different modalities that can help um, her sense what she was doing and what she wasn't doing. She used to hold her eyes, like squint her eyes shut so hard. And say, am I doing anything? And I say, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You are squinting your eyes hard, my lady. But well, no, good for her for. The... Oh, absolutely. Good for her for going. I mean, I, so, I, I just, I hope, that age. I hope that, like, by yeah. the time, like, our kids are grown, this is just part of your health care, you know, and just, just part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Time will tell. I absolutely agree. Okay, Cassie, shifting slightly. Okay, so we talked about how it's all connected. I feel Mm -hmm. like when I hear pelvic floor health or OT, you're an OT or PT, Mm -hmm. I always Mm -hmm. think um, like urinary or vaginal, um, you know, pelvic floor work. So it Mm -hmm. also um, encompasses like bowels too, which is like very awkward for people. Nobody wants to talk about that. So talk to us about like bowel health. Like what... What do you see with this? And then what are what are some things that maybe we think are normal, but they're not normal? Right. Absolutely. So 
anytime you come into my practice and ask me or show up for urinary incontinence or pelvic pain, I am asking you about urinary, bowel, and intercourse, hands down, hip, back pain, always. I'm also asking you about your mental health. How is all this affecting your life? That, um, that is so important and critical. So bowel health, it's, if you could look at a model, the rectum and the bladder are very close to each other. So lots of times one is not co-op because the other one's not behaving. So with bowel health, a lot of people think that constipation is normal because it's something they've dealt with their whole life. I had a lady come in and say, I have been constipated since I was 18 months old, where there is pediatric pelvic floor now, too, which is fantastic because that is not normal. Um, Diarrhea every day is not normal. I just Mm -hmm. had a a patient yesterday who said, every time I eat in the morning, I have diarrhea, but all they want me to do is take this medication. And Mm -hmm. that's where that nutrition part comes in. Like We have to take a very good look at nutrition. So constipation, diarrhea, absolutely not normal. And mm-hmm. I don't care how long you've had it. That is your body saying, not normal. Help me out. Let's figure this puzzle out. Other thing is, is people think that when I ask this question, they always, they always giggle. I say, can you hold back gas? Okay. Because having gas just slip out whenever It's funny. I mean, my three-year-old thinks it's hilarious, Um, but it's not a natural, it's not a normal function per se. We should be able to hold back. I also tell people, like I say, if you're in the elevator with your dream crush and you're about to poop your pants, you better hold on tight, sister. Uh Um, Yeah. So, yes. So there's that. And, or let's talk about maybe during intercourse, the dreaded Q word that nobody ever wants to do. I get like, once we get in a rhythm and, and, and my patients trust me, then there, then the realness starts coming out and they're like, okay, oh, yeah. well I do this every time I have intercourse in this position. Mm-hmm. What can I do to fix it? And that's actually a, can be a strength issue, can be a coordination, absolutely a coordination issue if we're having any kind of gas slip out of either area. Okay. Okay. Not normal. Sure. Sure. Well, and I just, I love, um, I just love that you are focused on, you know, like this is not normal because I think with so many things, especially topics that like people aren't as comfortable talking about, it's very easy to just continue to live your life forever and ever and ever like this poor, you know, woman, you know, older Mm -hmm. woman that you saw, Mm -hmm. because you just get used to it. And so I think it's really Mm -hmm. important for everybody to hear that if you're dealing with something like, that's not typical, you need to be seen for it and fix it. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I get messages on Instagram that say, Oh, but all my girlfriends do it or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my, my it's hereditary because my mom did it. And it's yep. just like, no, you have a ton of muscles down there. Three layers deep, big ones to small ones. They are there for a reason. And if we just neglect them one, we are decreasing our sensation, which affects quality of life in terms of bowel, bladder, intercourse we're also running the risk of allowing organs to slip down 
to -hmm. where we don't want them to be, which causes an impact on exercise. And I had a woman come in who had her uterus was completely out. And that, and she was, she was my 87 year old. And, um, her symptoms were, (laughs) yeah, she was 87. Got a couple more years left, Megan. Yeah. (laughs) I'm moving quickly in that direction. (laughs) Um, so she was no longer a surgical candidate. So thinking she had to live that way forever Uh. because she wasn't a surgical candidate, her symptoms were miserable. So, um, there's just lot, any, any, I take it more seriously, obviously, because I'm super passionate and it, I no longer have pelvic floor dysfunction. I had all my pelvic floor dysfunction way before babies, way before babies. I think yeah. that's important to hear too, because I think yes. that as this topic has become more, um, I don't want to say popular, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, trending, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, um, more awareness for yes, sure. Yes, I think that it's it's easy to centralize it around just pregnancy and childbirth and when in reality, these are issues that, and you had mentioned earlier in our previous conversation about like how men will have these issues too. So it's Absolutely. not isolated to just pregnancy and childbirth, which is important it, to know as well. It, yes, it absolutely isn't. I was an athlete. I ran track. I played volleyball. I cheered. I had poor body mechanics. I had constipation. I had a prolapsed rectum and bladder before I even hit the age of 19. I oh, had painful intercourse. I had endometriosis, several abdominal surgeries. All of that disrupted my core system. Yeah. And your pelvic floor is the bottom of your core system. So um, tons of dysfunction way before I ever had children. And men, mm-hmm. too. I, I treat men. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they come in to me after um, dealing with prostate cancer or mm-hmm. bladder cancer or mm-hmm. erectile dysfunction. Yeah. They, too, have a pelvic floor constipation, just like us, that needs to be exercised and paid attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Can you get Cassie, can you give us like a couple, like what are your top, I don't want to isolate you to a number, but a couple practical tips of ways that we can be improving our bladder and bowel health. Oh my just gosh, like on like a daily basis. Topic. Yes, absolutely. Favorite topic. So people really get honed in on Kegels, 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 yeah. Kegels. And remember what I said, we need range of motion and coordination before we ever start strengthening. And nine Mm. times out of 10, everybody who's doing a Kegel, you're doing it wrong. So stop Mm. doing it. Yeah. Um, And there's really good YouTube videos out there that talk about the proper mechanics of a pelvic floor contraction, aka Kegel. But what you need to be mindful of first is to look at your bladder health. How often are you going to the bathroom? How Mm -hmm. long are you urinating for? How is your position and posture on the toilet? One thing I tell my my women and men, if you hear anything from our evaluation, get a squatty potty. Yes. Position and posture yourself on the toilet. They're the best. They're the best. Um, They're going to help protect your organs. They're going to relax your muscle tissue. They are an absolute must. I hauled mine to the hospital when I gave birth. Um, (laughs) I have zero shame in my game. Um, I used to carry my squatty potty down the hall with me at work. And so I was like, could you buy me a squatty potty to put in the bathroom? That would be fantastic. Um, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Yes. I, I have always been extremely comfortable talking about all these things, but I understand people are not. Yes. And I respect that. So my husband is one of them. 
one, uh-huh. um, but making sure that we're going to the bathroom every three to four hours. Three to four hours. Under, okay. Every three to four hours, unless you're older in age. And I want to say like 50, 55, you know, it depends. Menopause really does a number on women. Okay. And um, so hormonally, we have to see what is an appropriate time for you. And even though research indicates every three to four hours, I really meet that person where they're at. So if three to four hours is absolutely impossible, we work to get as close to that time frame as we can. And then we go from there. So every three to four hours, unless you're older, and then I'd say two and a half hours is okay. You need to be urinating for you know, 16 to 20 seconds, counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, that's considered a full bladder emptying. And one of the things that women say to me often is, oh, but I drink a ton of water. And I've had three patients in my practice in eight years that actually drink almost too much water. That's a thing. And so most women, we all drink a lot of water. Water is trending now too, I think. Um, It's like this new thing. (laughs) Yeah, this new thing. January, like, I'm going to drink a gallon of water. And I'm like, oh my God, please do not do that. Okay, let's Uh not do that to our bladders. Um, But that's a whole nother podcast we could talk about urine in. But we need to make sure that we do, um, that we're drinking an appropriate amount of water each day and training our bladder. We're never rushing to the bathroom with urgency. So frequency, urgency, and um, frequency, urgency, and uh, just not having that stress incontinence. You should be able to jump on a trampoline and not Mm. leak urine. You should be able to go for a run and not leak urine. Um, Sneeze. So you should be able to sneeze without tooting or leaking urine. Um, yes, lots of things. Okay. And then same thing for bowel health. I mean, what are your, what are your practical tips for the poop other than the squatty potty? Yeah. So we absolutely want to make sure that it is fantastic and they have them all kinds of different ones. So, um, check those out. Travel size ones, fancy ones, white plastic ones. I mean, you can go from $24 to $120, whatever you want. You can decorate it. You can puff, paint it. (laughs) Make it your own. Carry it down the hall at your work. Just carry it down the hall. Put it in your purse or your diaper bag. Yes, absolutely. Um, Now my daughter's like, I need this stool. Like, okay, hold on. Let me get it for you. So, um, Bowel health, so posture and position on the toilet, and then never straining to mm-hmm. poop. We shouldn't have to strain. Remember, the only time we are pushing is when we are delivering a human. If you are not delivering a human, you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with that, you want to do open glottis pushing, which is another podcast. But making sure when you're sitting on the toilet that you're, like, blowing out the candles, that mm-hmm. it's a more relaxing mm-hmm. Um event instead of a strenuous event. We don't want any um, increased intracranial pressure or intra-abdominal pressure. Women that will send your organs south, so do not strain. If you're having to strain, there is a chart called the Bristol stool chart. And Mm. Google it. And it will tell you what your Mm -hmm. poop should look like. Mm -hmm. We should be like a, a four. 
And so if it's a one, it's like rabbit turds and just not, <laughs> I don't even know what else to call it. Yeah. Milk mm-hmm. duds. And then seven is like water. Okay. We want to be at a four. Right so right in the middle, you need to look for bowel health. It is so mm-hmm. important for you to look at your poop. Yeah. It tells us a ton. It can be an indicator of something seriously wrong. Mm -hmm. So every time you go to the bathroom, I want you to examine your poop. Is there blood? What's the the texture of it? What's the consistency of it? And how was your ability to avoid it? Did you have to strain? How was the delivery (laughs) without straining? Without straining. So Cassie, Cassie on that one, just because I'm a hypochondriac, I feel like, and I would... Mm -hmm. uh like freak out if I all of a sudden saw um, how many, like, I know there's some Mm. medical like guidelines of this, but how long, like, you know, I imagine it's normal to like once or twice have some different looking poop, but Mm -hmm. how, like, when do you start getting worried or talking to your doctor? Great question. Um, Yeah. Fantastic question. So your bowels, along with everything else, including urine, including, Um, sexual intercourse is going to be affected by, again, nutrition, hydration, sleep is huge, stress, Mm -hmm. all those things are going to affect those huge functions of our life. So if you are noticing consistent, you know, diarrhea, like the woman I had yesterday, she has had diarrhea for a year. That is beyond the point of needing to go to the doctor and Mm -hmm. figuring it out. And if they don't give you the answer, you go until you get the answer that you need. Um, I think it's such an important reminder that we have to advocate for our health ourselves. So I don't care if it's been like, you know, if Sarah, if you say I'm a hype, was it Sarah who said it? Yes, Yes, that was Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. <laughs> Megan's totally you, normal in the I'm head. Totally it's calm. just me. I'm totally calm about everything always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you are a little more nervous or on edge, I think it's absolutely appropriate to ask those questions to your physician anytime you are uncomfortable for, with your health. Mm-hmm. And whatever their opinion is on you, whether you're dramatic or whatever, mm-hmm. who cares, right? Yep. As long right. as you feel fulfilled and um, protected through your healthcare, that is all that matters. I would say if you're having diarrhea, we're worrying about dehydration, we're worrying about hemorrhoids, we're worried Mm -hmm. about an infection in your gut, we're worried about maybe celiac or something big dramatic Mm -hmm. that has, you know, serious health concerns um, with it. So Okay, Cassie. I don't know if that was a clear-cut answer, but I think whatever your comfort level is, is what I would say it's time to ask your doctor. Yeah, I think we're just hearing, at least I feel like I'm hearing a lot of, you know, different, like, cancer diagnoses in younger yes. people yes. at, like, our age. Yes. And yes. so we're just more aware, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, well, is yeah. this normal or do I oh have cancer? God. Which well, is my, like, daily question. <laughs> me too, Google, girl. Google the answer is always cancer. <laughs> Always going to yes. be cancer. I do have it's a terrible. girlfriend who is 35 with stage four colon cancer, oh and it, it's and I have a girlfriend that I graduated in um, with high in high school, and she has colon cancer, and I'm mm-hmm. 38 years old. Um, so I think it's okay to ask those questions because the guidelines 
for assessment of those, like a colonoscopy, they're not coming down into the 30s. It's yeah, still right. like in your 50s. I think it was 55 mm-hmm. or 50 last time I checked. So, you know, blood in the stool is could be hemorrhoids. It could be an indication of a highly irritated stomach. It could be those questions to your physician, taking pictures, you know, writing a log. I have all mm-hmm. my patients write a bladder log for a couple of days just so mm-hmm. I call it collect your data. Know right. about your body. Know about your systems. Know about your urine color. Know about your stream. Know about what positions hurt. Know about your bowel health. Know about your nutrition. We are so heavily um, doused with sugar and processed food that is tearing our systems up. So um, at least that's my own thought is that the food we eat is just so different than what it used to be. Mm -hmm. So it has to be taking a toll on our bodies. Absolutely. So, okay. So talk to us about... um, intercourse what issues like what are your top issues when women come to see you or men as well um Mm -hmm. today we're focusing on women for our audience but there are men issues out Mm -hmm. there um Mm -hmm. what issues do people come to see you for like what are the complaints or what are the diagnoses a lot of it is pelvic pain so i have pain with intercourse or i have pain with insertion of anything digital penetration or finger insertion period um cups tampons it's painful After baby, lots of times it can be painful because of that traumatic experience. I have extremely painful intercourse after babies, Mm -hmm. um, and I have C-sections. So Hmm. like we talked about before, we think, oh, it it doesn't affect the vaginal tissue because nothing comes out of it, but it is on a hormonal basis too. So if you're nursing or you're brand new postpartum, estrogen is very low and Estrogen is the hormone that kind of makes everything soft and squishy Mm -hmm. and moves a little bit easier. So when you're depleted from that, from breastfeeding, it can absolutely affect um, the tissue. So the other thing is if you did tear something during during childbirth, that's going to play a role because now we have scar tissue there that's possibly pulling on muscle tissue. So there, you know, that six week, every man with a woman who just gave birth can't wait till that six weeks. And every woman is like, no, I, I will have to say, I did have one patient who was like, Oh, we had intercourse in the hospital before we left. I was like, what? Um, oh my God. Yeah. I on will, so, um, many not on that. <laughs> <laughs> so many different levels. So many different levels. Um, I don't get embarrassed. That embarrassed me. I was like, you did what? I like just want to talk about that because I felt so gross after all my pregnancy. I would have so many questions for that person. So many, but I try to keep it as professional yeah. as I can. I hope I wore it on my face okay. Um, oh my gosh. Much younger. Like in your 30s, I, I can see us being like, all right, no way. Yeah. You m- might get it three months down the road. Who knows? But um, not in the hospital. So anyways... <laughs> Pain, sorry, pain with intercourse is huge after baby, something I treat often. Remember, I had pelvic pain before babies, okay? Mm -hmm. So 
um, a lot of my symptoms were because of my prolapses. Yeah. My body mechanics, my holding my breath, constantly straining, constipation, Mm -hmm. not being aware of those pelvic floor muscles. Those muscles are really tight and have zero range of motion, which means they have no strength. I are very little strength. I know women think, oh, everything's tight, so it must be strong. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case in the pelvic floor, typically, when we're having pain as a symptom. So we work on range of motion, coordination patterns, lots of breathing, um, some manual stretching. You can use dilators. Um, pelvic wands that can really help stretch that tissue. I tell women, think about if you had a painful like trap or neck muscle or shoulder pain, I would be rubbing and pushing those, you know, trigger points out. And I'm doing the same thing in your pelvic floor and that muscle tissue. A lot of times too, that I have seen in my practice is way people are brought up. Do we mm-hmm. talk about the word vagina? Is it mm-hmm. is it considered gross in your household? Are you ashamed yep. of it? That can really play a psychological piece on people's pelvic floor, really making um, them like butt clenchers and mm-hmm. um, so tight, very fearful of their pelvic floor, ashamed of it. That can cause pelvic pain also. Trauma, of course, can, you know, a rape, a molestation Mm -hmm. also can be um, things that I have treated. So, yeah. Huh. Gosh, so interesting. That could be a podcast in itself. That could be. So, Cassie, I feel like kind of in closing, it's, I think in general, I mean, culmination of everything we've talked about. I think, you know, this is often like an embarrassing topic. People aren't comfortable we think something's normal, it's not normal, but we think it's normal. It's really easy to let these things go. Um, So if somebody is hopefully listening to this, and they're wanting to seek treatment for this, like where should she start? Absolutely. And I want to empower and encourage any woman out there who is listening to this, and she is saying, this is me, I thought it was normal. How do I even go about this? One, it is common, sister. It's not Mm -hmm. normal, and there's so many treatments. So you do not have to be embarrassed, and there are so many. I honestly don't know any woman who doesn't have some kind of pelvic floor dysfunction, and if I treated more men, I'm sure I would find in them too. So Mm -hmm. you are not alone in this circle of pelvic floor dysfunction by any means. Mm I would go to your, you know, it depends on which state you're in, right? So Missouri, you need a referral from your um, doctor. And so going to the doctor and saying, I want a pelvic floor referral. Who do you see or who do you know in this town? Or you can do your own research. There are so many fantastic clinics in Kansas City. Really, truly so many great fantastic clinics. So reaching out to them. You can, with your pelvic floor therapist, you are going to have a very intimate relationship. We need you to be honest. We need Mm -hmm. you to trust us. So I encourage you to make sure that you can build that relationship with whoever you see. If you don't feel 100% comfortable, it might be most advantageous for you to look for someone different or a different um, clinic. Absolutely. If anybody ever came to me and said, you know, I just don't feel like I can relax completely in here. 
I would say absolutely go find someone who you think would mm-hmm. would understand a little bit better or you can connect with. But yeah. reaching out to your OBGYN, your primary care physician, do not accept no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Remember, you are the owner of your body. You have to advocate for it. And I can't imagine a physician saying no. I have had physicians say that stuff doesn't really work. Let's do this medicine first. And let me tell you, no matter what medicine or anything you're on, if you don't look at your habits, routines, nutrition, your range of motion, your coordination and the muscle structures, you are not going to fix the problem. You are going to band-aid it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. And Cassie, we will... Um, uh, we will have you, you are a wonderful resource. Um, yes. and I'm just thinking about, I'm like, we need to have you on again and cover some other things in more depth because this to. could go on and on and on. Um, yes. Cassie, thank you seriously so much. We will, um, link for our listeners, all your contact information, okay, um, in our show notes. So be sure to look for those and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And you just made this a very easy normal conversation and we appreciate you for that oh thank you guys for having me i really appreciate the opportunity absolutely thank you thank you okay friends we were gonna close this out with a discussion of our own bowel and (laughs) Um, bladder issues but decided <laughs> against it so you we did we you're did. welcome we just you know we'll just personally email cassie our own problems <laughs> we'll keep it we'll keep it private but we'll keep it private so <laughs> that's a gift for you today yes, you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> okay so what we're loving in kc right now megan yes okay so for many of you Fellow consigner shoppers, it's consignment season. Spring is here. Spring has sprung. And just between friend sale, JBF, of Overland Park is March 31st through April 3rd at the Overland Park Convention Center. We're going to link to, um, we are going to link to that. And then we're also going to link to one of our contributors. Kelly wrote a, um, an article about maximizing your um, consignment shopping and with all her tips, which was an awesome article. So, um if you are not familiar with consignment shopping, it is life-giving, and um, be sure to check it out, and we will link to more information on that. We'll both be there. We will both be there. we won't say hi because we'll be focused, so. Yes, Sorry. we will be in the zone. In the <laughs> zone, fighting for the deals and the same sizes and some stuff. Okay, Sarah, what about you? Um, I am so excited about the Parade of Hearts, mm-hmm. which are the, um, I think there's 150 of them throughout the metro um, over the next several months. And so um, we are on a mission as a KCMC team to visit as many as possible. And we have a little internal contest going on. Um, so we would love for you to tag us if you go um, to any of these hearts. I mean, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, not just your typical tourist attractions. You know, there's one at the Price Chopper down the street from my house. So um <laughs> And you can download their app and they have a website that, you know, has a map and all the locations. So you can explore our, our goal is to explore a new area of town and just see as many hearts as we can. So it's kind of a fun, like visual scavenger. It's super fun. And I remember, I mean, it was, it's probably been over 10 years when they had the cows. Yes. I remember the cows. Um, 
And so I'm just same, a same sucker vibe. for that kind of stuff. That's really fun. Really fun. Okay. Um, Sarah, let's see. So we are, we're in the middle of March. Okay. So that in means March, which... we're approaching our spring egg hunt. Yes. And so you have just a few days left to secure your spot. Um, that is April 2nd at Avila University. We'll have two sessions, um, 9 to 11 and 11 to 1. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes our egg hunt a little unique is, first of all, we limit the amount of people per session. So you're not getting that chaos of a public hunt. As much as everyone loves that. I mean, if that's your jam, go for it. Um, <laughs> but we will have food drinks we have um a teddy bear like kind of like a build-a-bear type truck um teddy bear mobile right yes teddy bear mobile new um lots of really really fun um activities and then all culminating in age divided egg hunts um at different times you can watch your toddler and your big kid at the same time or different times um and then our eggs are actually empty and except for a few golden eggs with some really good giveaways, you know, tickets to attractions in KC. Um, we actually have, you know, some toys and games to give away, lots of fun stuff. So you will turn in those golden eggs, return your eggs, and then you will get a goodie bag in exchange with um, some really, like, really fun stuff that we've Good candy. Yeah. Some real toys. Yes. Um, so it'll be fun. So get your tickets for that. We'll link in the show notes. And that's April 2nd. Yay. And Sarah and I will be there. I think we'll both be there for the whole thing. Yep. So come find us. Say hi. Um, and then we also have Pajama Jam. Yep. We just launched tickets for this too. So we got, we're busy, we got busy. events for you guys. Uh-huh. Events. It's all coming back. So that is April 30th at Wonderscope. And that is just a fun way to experience Wonderscope with not a lot of people. We have room yeah. for about 50 families. So definitely want to jump on those tickets. If you want to come, come in your pajamas. Um, we will have snacks, um, drinks. There's a kid DJ, um, prizes, all sorts of fun stuff. And just, you know, a fun night at Wonderscope. Yeah. Be a fun thing to do to invite, invite friends or neighbors, um, get a group to come, get yeah. tickets and we'll, we will see you with that. All right. I think that's all we got today. Thank you guys so much for being here again, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for spending part of your day with us. We would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms, as well as rate and review, as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about today's episode, an idea for a future topic, or just to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City Momcast.